Good morning to you all. Isn't it great to be together for a while on Christmas Eve? Hope you're having a wonderful time. That's been a great service so far this morning. Thank you so much to Jonathan for leading us and to Amy for that very stinky, messy, minging children's talk that made the point. And all Simon's training at Cornhill has gone in so well this year. You can see how expert he was dumping these beans and dog food on top of the uh, the chocolate coins. Well done, brother. That was great servant-heartedness, but that was a great talk. That was like part one, boys and girls. I'm going to talk to you all now, big people and smaller people. I'm going to talk to you all for a short time. We're just going to have a short service this morning. So I'm thinking about you. Don't think I've forgotten about you if I'm talking to the big people, because I, I am thinking about you, and I want us all to be together for this this morning. Let's see if you can uh, see this little picture that's on the screen. Isn't that a lovely Christmas picture? <laughs> Isn't that just lovely? A happy scene. Everybody having a wonderful time, enjoying each other's company. No stress, no hassle. Is that right? No, it doesn't look like that, does it? What do you think is going on there? Boys and girls, put up your hand if anybody has ever said to you, would you just give me five minutes peace? Put your hand up. If you... Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Jack Aiken's hand's up as well. Oh, I wonder, wonder who said it to Jack. And if that person is in the courtroom this morning, could you point at them who said that to you? No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter so much. There is a bit, <laughs> a bit, of, there is a bit of pointing going on here. Yeah, I'm absolutely certain about that. Well, listen, if you haven't heard that said to you, you might hear it before the week's out. For goodness sake, would you just give me five minutes peace? And it's funny how we're so precise about the five minutes, isn't it? Four and a half's too short, five and a half's too long, six minutes is an outrage, just five. Are you kidding? We say five minutes, we want much longer than that. What am I asking you about this morning? Well, boys and girls, this Christmas, we've been thinking about four titles that were told about the Lord Jesus, given to the Lord Jesus, get this, 750 years before he was born. There's a bloke called Isaiah. He was a prophet. God's spirit was working in him, helping him to know what was going to happen in the future. And he wrote it down and he said some amazing things. For example, you might know this that he said in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. He said, the Lord is going to give you a sign. A virgin will conceive. She'll bear a son and you'll call his name Emmanuel. God with us. That's what Amy was talking about, wasn't it? So he knew the amazing way that the Lord Jesus was coming into the world all these years before it. And then in chapter 9, he said this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. In other words, he's going to take responsibility for ruling the whole world, and his name shall be called, and there, there are four titles. Wonderful counselor. We thought about that on the first Sunday. Mighty God, Simon helped us understand that on the second Sunday. Everlasting Father, I talked about that last Sunday night. And now this morning, with all of us in the family service this morning, we're going to think about this one, Prince 
of peace. What does it mean for the Lord Jesus to be our Prince of Peace? So when somebody says to you, would you just give me five minutes? Maybe they want to watch the news or read their newspaper or have a little nap or play Minecraft on their phone or something like that. Maybe they just want to do something for a short while just to get a little rest. But you know, in the Bible, boys and girls and mums and dads and grannies and granddads and aunts and uncles and friends, all of us this morning, in the Bible, peace isn't just a break for a few minutes or even for a holiday. You're looking forward to your holiday. Maybe you've got peace for a week or maybe 10 days or maybe two weeks. Who knows? That's a lovely treat. But in the Bible, peace, when God talks about peace, He's not just talking about a few minutes or a couple of weeks or a few days. In the Bible, peace can mean a life where everything is just as it should be. Everything. Can you imagine that? If just everything was the way it should be. We sang in our song before Away in a Manger, we sang a line and I wrote it down on my notes, ocean depths of happy rest. Can you imagine that? You know how deep the ocean is? Goodness me. Miles deep. An ocean depth of happy rest. That's what the Bible talks about when it talks about peace. And I don't think you'll be here tonight, boys and girls, but some of us might be here tonight very late, quarter past 11. We're going to sing Silent Night. And one of the lines in that is, all is calm, all is bright. That's another expression of that kind of amazing peace that the Bible can talk about. It's an incredibly precious thing. There's lots of us would give an awful lot to have that kind of peace this Christmas. Now, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Because that kind of ocean depth of perfect rest or happy rest or all is calm, all is bright. Do you know that's what the Lord Jesus experienced before he came into the world as a baby? He was God the Son before he became the Lord Jesus, the baby in the manger. Everything was perfect for him. Living with his Father, living with the Holy Spirit in heaven, in the perfection of that life. And so when we talk about him being the Prince of Peace, it partly reminds us that he knows what it is like to live in that kind of happy rest. He knows what it's like to live where everything is just perfect. He lives in a happy, perfect relationship with his Father. And he wants and needs nothing he has everything he needs, everything he wants in heaven. And there was nothing ever to spoil it or to bring it to an end before he came into this world. So that's part of what it means for him to be the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince who really knows what that peace is like. But, boys and girls, I was thinking about you this week, and I know you're smart. And I know that you pay attention, and I know that you listen to the Bible being read, and maybe some of you can even read it for yourselves now. And I know that you know what's going on in the world and so I was thinking this morning, well, I'm going to be trying to talk to the boys and girls and all the grown-ups on Sunday morning about Jesus being the Prince of Peace. The trouble is, this is not a very peaceful world that we live in. And I know that you know that. And I don't want you to think that we live in cloud cuckoo land when we're talking about Jesus being the Prince of Peace. I want you to know that we know this isn't a peaceful world this Christmas. Boys and girls, you might have heard on the news about the terrible things that are happening in Ukraine 
as Russia has invaded that country. And you know that some of the terrible things that have happened in Israel and that are happening in Palestine. And you might know of these names and see these things on the television screen. And you might hear your mums and dads and adults in your family talking about these things. You know, the Bible says the reason for all these wars, all these big wars, is the same as the reason why you and I fall out with people and why we end up having we fights. I'm looking at you this morning. I don't think any of you would be capable of that. But maybe you have fights with your brothers and sisters. Maybe, you have, maybe you sh- you're not kind to your mom and dad sometimes. Maybe you're not kind to people who love you and look after you. Maybe you're not kind to your friends at school or to your teacher. And the Bible says it all comes from the one problem. James chapter 4, what causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not that your passions are at war within you? You desire, in other words, you want something and you don't have it. So, oh, this is strong. You, you murder. Even people get killed over this. You covet. That means you see what someone else has and you're annoyed that they have it and you want it. You can't get it, so you fight and quarrel. So the problem's in here. It's not just out in the big, but the big world around us. It's in here. Isn't that very sad? Isn't it very strange that this Christmas, tomorrow, along with the turkey and the trimmings and the crackers and the fun and the presents, families will feud, they will fight. Doors will be slammed. Harsh words will be spoken. Faults will be cast up. Some people will just go into sullen silence. Relationships will be damaged. Hearts will be broken. So we live in the real world. We know that happens. I hope it doesn't happen in your home. I hope it doesn't happen in my home, but it can happen anywhere. It can happen anywhere because the Bible says our passions are at war within us. So we quarrel and fight because we don't have what we long for. And think about boys and girls. And you know this. What was it like when the Lord Jesus came into the world? Was everything just perfect for him when the Prince of Peace came? Was it lovely? Did he just have a wonderful, peaceful life? Everybody loved him everywhere he went, and it was great. They were always happy to see him, and they were so kind to him. Every No, it wasn't like that, was it? It wasn't like that when the Prince of Peace came into the world. In fact, when he was still a baby, Joseph and Mary had to hurry away to Egypt because King Herod had heard that a baby who was, was born who was the king of the Jews. And you remember that terrible thing that he did? He murdered all the little boys under the age of two to try and squish out this newborn king. Doesn't sound very peaceful. And actually, the life of the Lord Jesus, the Prince of Peace in this world, was very difficult. And eventually, as Amy explained to us this morning, he died in terrible suffering on the cross. And as that was happening, you know this, many people were happy that it was happening. They were glad to see him suffer and die. So this is not a peaceful world. And listen, I've got one more thing to tell you about about the Lord Jesus and what he said about this. And this will blow your mind. Listen to this. One day when he'd grown up, Jesus said something very strange if he is the Prince of Peace. Listen to this from Matthew chapter 10. Do not think, he said, that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Oh my goodness. What are we going to do with that? 
We've all come this morning, we've read Isaiah chapter 9, that he is the Prince of Peace, and yet when he came, he said, don't think that I've come to bring, don't think that my coming will bring peace to the earth. My coming will bring the sword. In other words, it will bring war. Paul Downey, sometimes when he's speaking to you, he sometimes says, we need our thinking caps on. We need to keep our thinking caps on, even though we don't have an actual cap, for a couple of minutes longer before I finish with this this morning. Boys and girls, I wanted to tell you about this verse because one day you're going to read this. You'll read it for yourself or you'll hear somebody reading it and you'll say, hang on a minute. I thought Jesus was the Prince of Peace. How come he also said this? So I thought, let's talk about it. Let's try to understand what he meant by this. Because he is the Prince of Peace. He does live in a perfect and beautiful and happy relationship with God his Father. He came to make it possible for us to have that peace forever, but the way that he made peace possible for us to enjoy meant that he came into a world that wasn't peaceful, and he experienced things that weren't peaceful. And when he said that he hadn't come to bring peace, he was telling us that making everything peaceful immediately for a wee while wasn't his plan. That's not why he came. He wanted to make peace permanent. But he had to suffer for that to happen. And we know that he was rejected. Amy was telling us all about that this morning. Boys and girls, I wonder, have you ever been in a situation, maybe at school, where for some reason, everybody turns against one boy or girl? And one day, everything was fine, and you were all getting on okay. And the next day, everybody has turned against this one boy or girl. It's really horrible when that happens, isn't it? It's a horrible feeling. Even if you're not that person, you feel horrible for them. Now, what would happen if you felt so sorry for the person against whom everyone had turned and you decided that you were going to be their friend? What would happen in that situation if everyone else has turned against them Nobody would play with them. Nobody would talk to them. Nobody wants to sit beside them. Nobody wants to share with them. Horrible. But you decide you're going to be their friend. It might be, even though you want to be friends with everyone, it might be that because you did that, everybody might turn against you as well. They might say, we don't like him or we don't like her. And if you like him or her, we don't like you. And you'd have to be very brave to do that. Now, that is what the Lord Jesus was talking about. When he said, I haven't come to bring peace to the earth, but a sword. He didn't use a sword on anyone. In fact, when his disciples get the sword out to do a bit of work on those who come to arrest them, he said, put the swords away. So he didn't come to start the war. But the world turned against the Lord Jesus. And still today, the world turns against anyone who loves and follows the Lord Jesus. And Jesus knew that this would be how he would be treated. He knew that people would take up the sword against him. That they would be at war with him. And that they would be at war with those who love him and stand with him. But the Lord Jesus was willing to suffer in this world. So that he could make it possible for us to have peace with him forever. And we know that he went to the cross wonderfully. We know that he died. Now listen to this. 
after his resurrection. We're going to wait to the end of the story now. After his resurrection, in John chapter 20, we read that on the evening of the first day of the week, the doors were locked when the disciples were there because they were afraid of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood among them and he said, peace be to you. So now here's the Prince of Peace. And now he comes and he says to his people, you can have this peace. Peace be to you. And then the most remarkable thing in verse 20, those of you who can read, have a look at this. When he'd said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Now, why did he do that? And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. He showed them his hands. He showed them his side because that's where the nails had gone. And that's where the sword had gone. He showed them where he had been wounded. And because of that, he was able to say, you can have this peace. He showed them, if you like, signs of terrible violence to him so that he could say to everybody, peace be to you. I want you to have an ocean's depth of happy rest forever. I want you to know all is calm, all is bright, forever in my presence. There was a link between what happened to Jesus as he suffered and died and the peace that he's able to give us. That's because he suffered and died to make that peace possible. So the New Testament says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who took our sin upon himself. And he bore it and he suffered for it. And that terrible rejection, he bore it all, the nails and the sword, so that we can be forgiven, the barrier can be removed, we can have peace with God forever. So I don't want you to think, maybe you don't know what a hippie is, boys and girls. You can ask somebody later. I don't want you to think that when Jesus is the Prince of Peace, he's some kind of a hippie who just goes around saying, peace, man peace to people. He didn't. He didn't avoid conflict. He came fully expecting to be the focus of conflict. And the way he brings peace is to conquer our enemy. That's what he was doing when he was pierced on the cross. That's what he was doing. He was destroying Satan's power to accuse us and demand our punishment. But all that terrible absence of peace that we see in the world today is because people still do not trust him. And when we see the absence of peace in the family, in the street, in the town, in the country, in the nations of the world, when we see that, it's not a sign that Jesus failed. It's a sign that Jesus isn't finished yet. In spite of the rejection, Isaiah tells us of the increase of his government, there will be no end. His power, his kingdom will continue to grow until that day when he comes again. And my last verse for you this morning, and I'm finishing now, is this. And I've missed out half a phrase, and I wonder if you can work out what Paul said about this. He said, the God of peace will soon, dot, 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 the God of peace will soon do something. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be with you. The God of peace will soon what? 
What does the God of peace do, do you think? The God of peace will soon teach us to sing Kumbaya. No. The God of peace, he'll give us a recipe for this special fennel tea and it'll make us feel a bit more chill. No. The God of peace will give us tips on how to clear our inbox on Christmas Eve so that it goes to someone else's inbox, as some of us were talking about this morning, and you get yours cleared and you can walk away from the office with an easy mind. No. That's not what the God of peace does. The God of peace gives us a few tips for de-stressing. Wants us to listen to some whale songs. No, that's not what the God of peace does. Here's what he does. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. You weren't expecting that if you didn't know Romans chapter 16, verse 20. That's quite strong, isn't it? But that's what the Prince of Peace will do. His grace will be with us now. We will know his peace in the midst of trouble if our trust is in him. Then one day soon, the Prince of Peace will crush Satan, who is the cause of all the trouble. And we listen to him and we do what he says instead of trusting the Lord Jesus and doing what he, what he tells us to do. And he will bring peace because peace can only exist when your ultimate enemy has been defeated. And that's what the Lord Jesus has made possible. So this talk of the Prince of Peace is not just for tucking in babies and singing lullabies. It's wonderful to be able to speak to them about a loving Savior and a Prince of Peace. But this Prince of Peace is for crushing our arch enemy. That's how he brings peace. That's how he wins everlasting peace. And that means that even those who still fight Jesus in this life will one day have to surrender to him because there will be no limit to his government on that day. So this Christmas, for everything you've ever wanted, for the peace that you would love, look no further than the Lord Jesus. For the peace that you cannot find anywhere else, look no further than the Lord Jesus. He's the one we're looking to of the increase of his government and of peace. There will be no end. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for our wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he really is the Prince of Peace. But we thank you for the surprising way that he brought peace into this world. We thank you that we maybe are able to go home now understanding why there is still so much lack of peace in the nations and around our own tables. And we pray that you would help us to find our peace in the Lord Jesus, to put our trust in him. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you suffered terrible violence in order to pay for our sins so that one day, Finally, when you come and crush our enemy, Satan, the cause of all the misery, the one who holds us captive, thank you, we'll be free from the presence of sin forever. Free in your presence forevermore. Thank you that all will be calm and all will be bright forever on that day. And thank you for the peace you give those whose trust is in you now, even in the midst of difficult times. We've been thinking of them already this morning. We pray for those who have really anxious times at Christmas, that you would speak your peace deep into their hearts. Thank you for our boys and girls 
Help them to understand something of this wonderful Savior and of his love for us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.